The headlines tonight. Grant's order out with the Jews. Graf Spade off as Captain Hans Langsdown. And Harrods bombing six dead, say police. Plus, coming up, Kenneth Williams to star in a new war film set in Birmingham, titled Carry On Up the IRA. Those are the headlines. Now let's get on with it. Her news bang. Breaking the chains of the mind, giving the finger to fake news. 1862. In 1862, Union General Ulysses S. Grant, later to become the 18th President of the United States, issued a controversial order expelling all Jews from Tennessee, Mississippi and Kentucky. The move was part of the American Civil War, which raged over the expansion of slavery. Grant's General Order No. 11 aimed to reduce corruption and illicit trade by removing anyone with a hooked nose or a predilection for pickled herring. Grant later rescinded the order after pressure from President Lincoln, who said, Hey, Abe, leave them Jews alone. Grant went on to protect civil rights during Reconstruction, except for those involving bagels or Yiddish theatre. Ulysses, 1939. In a dramatic turn of events, the German cruiser Graf Spee has scuttled itself in the river plate after its commander Hans Dicky Langsdorff decided he'd had enough of the whole thing. The incident, which took place during World War II, was witnessed by local fisherman Nobby Perkins. I was just out fishing for cod when I saw this great big ship go past, he said, and then bang, it just scuttled itself. I thought to myself, ere we go again. The Graf Spee had been involved in a tense game of hide-and-seek with the Royal Navy Squadron, led by Admiral Tugboat Thompson. We chased that blighter all over the Atlantic, said Thompson but every time we thought we had him cornered, he'd pop up somewhere else. Langsdorff later committed suicide by dressing as a mermaid and leaping into shark-infested waters. His final words were reportedly, I'm too old for this shit. 1983. In a day that will live in infamy, the Provisional Irish Republican Army, or PIRA, as they're known to their friends, have shifted their focus from blowing up their own people to blowing up Harrods instead. The luxury department store, famed for its selection of hedgehog flavored crisps, was rocketed by a car bomb today, killing six and injuring many more. Eyewitnesses described the scene as Uta Carniger and her right old mess. One shopper, Lady Penelope Featherington Smythe, 127th Duchess of Kensington on Thames, was seen clutching her pearls and gasping for air as she surveyed the destruction. I've never seen anything like it, she said through her maid's soothing ministrations. My husband's going to be livid. We just bought a lovely set of Waterford crystal grenades. The IRA has yet to claim responsibility for the attack, but has denied any involvement in a statement released on parchment paper, scented with the blood of English roses. Scotland Yard is on high alert, fearing the next target could be Selfridges or worse. Fortnum and Mason's Food Hall. News bang, spitting nails at the fence of falsity. The weather is up next and Shakanaka Giles will be presenting it. He'll be discussing the festive season's weather conditions including snowfall, clear skies and frosty atmospheres in various locations.
In the festive season, the weather is set to be rather jolly. The snowflakes falling in Holly Jolly Town are as bright as tinsel, and the skies above Mistletoe on Tweed are as clear as a freshly washed window pane. Even North Star Nook will be bathed in a frosty glow, perfect for a caroling session. In summary, twinkling snow, clear skies, and frosty fun. And that's all the weather. Nineteen forty-five. The Kurdistan flag was first raised in Mahabad, Iran, by the Society for the Rise of Kurdistan in 1945. This flag has been linked to various Kurdish states. Mahabad, a city in Iran, acts as the capital of Mahabad County. Our correspondent Brian Bastable will have more on this story. This is a war for the ages. The year is 1945 and the stage is set for a battle on a scale never witnessed before. Here, atop this dusty hill, a new flag waves proudly. It is the flag of Kurdistan, an emerging nation forged in the crucible of war. The Kurds have been fighting for their freedom for generations and today they stand on the brink of victory. This flag, created by the Society for the Rise of Kurdistan in 1920, is a beacon of hope for a people who have long been oppressed. As I gaze upon the scene before me, my heart swells with pride. This is the stuff of legend, folks. The stuff of dreams. The Kurds have come to claim what is rightfully theirs, and I am here to bear witness. But the battle is far from over. The enemy is still out there, waiting for the perfect moment to strike. The ground shakes with the footfall of countless soldiers, all raring for the fight. As we wait to see who will emerge victorious, one thing is clear. The future of Kurdistan hangs in the balance. This is the war that will decide the fate of a nation. The flag waves proudly, but will it be enough to lead the Kurds to victory? Only time will tell. This is Brian Bastable, reporting from the battlefield. 2010. The Arab Spring, a time when the people of the Middle East rose up in collective defiance, marked an era of monumental change in several nations. What began as a spark in Tunisia soon ignited across the region and beyond. The sacred flame was lit when Mohammed Bouazizi's desperate act of self-immolation inspired others to demand freedom. This fervency ultimately toppled governments and led to an unprecedented wave of democracy throughout the region. Now, as Ken Shit covers the aftermath and impact of these events for us, we must remember that while the Arab Spring has passed, its legacy remains a testament to the power of unity and human spirit in overcoming tyranny. Greetings, degenerates! As we hurtle towards the abyss of 2023, let's take a moment to remember the year that was 2010 the year that gave birth to the Arab Spring. It all started in Tunisia with a guy named Mohamed Bouazizi setting himself on fire like some kind of human torch. And before you could say Allahu Akbar, the whole goddamn region was up in flames. People were rising up against their oppressive rulers like never before. And it was glorious. The Arab Spring was like a wildfire spreading across the desert sands consuming everything in its path. In Egypt, Hosni Mubarak was ousted from power after three decades of iron-fisted rule. 
In Libya, Muammar Gaddafi met his grisly end at the hands of his own people. And in Syria, well, let's just say things are still pretty fucked up over there. But through it all, one thing remained constant. The unwavering spirit of rebellion and resistance that defined the Arab Spring. These people were willing to risk everything for a chance at freedom and democracy, and they inspired millions around the world to stand up and fight for their own rights. So here's to the brave souls who ignited the Arab Spring. May their courage continue to inspire us all as we navigate these treacherous times. This is Ken Shit signing off from your evening news extravaganza. 1990. In 1990, a pivotal moment for gay rights activist William E. Woods as he played a crucial part in legalizing same-sex marriage in the United States. This spurred global change as more and more countries recognized the rights of LGBT individuals. Today, we stand at a total of 35 nations, while Estonia anticipates being the 36th to legalize same-sex marriage in 2024, as conveyed by CBN's Hardeman Pesto. Good evening, I am here with William E. Woods. Mr. Woods, we're eager to hear your views on the current state of gay rights in America. Well, Hardiman, I must say, it's been quite a journey. Do us all a favor and read from your prepared statement, Mr. Woods. Of course, I believe that the fight for gay rights is far from over. There is still much work to be done. How much work? I'd like to ask Mr. Woods about some significant victories that the LGBT community has achieved recently. Certainly, we, we've made progress in some areas, such as marriage equality, but there are still challenges. Such as what? What do you think the future holds for gay rights, Mr. Woods? I think the future is bright, and I'm optimistic that we'll continue to see progress. Are you basing that on the current administration's stance on gay rights? Let's move on to a different topic. Mr. Woods, could you tell us about your personal life? My personal life is none of your business. You mean it's classified? Let's just say that Mr. Woods prefers to keep his personal life private. What's the matter, Mr. Woods? Don't want people to know your business? I think we've covered enough ground for now. Thank you, Mr. Woods. That's it? We're done? Yes, we have other guests coming up. This interview was a disgrace. I thought it was going well. You thought wrong, Pesto. Shameful. Yes, Martin. Disgraceful. News bang. Flying the flag of factuality in the storm of lies. Calamity Prenderville is about to present a segment on the Wright brothers and their groundbreaking achievements in aviation. She'll discuss their first flight in 1903, their inventions that paved the way for future generations of aviators, and the British knack for turning unlikely ideas into world-changing inventions. Tune in for a fascinating insight into the history of flight and the Wright brothers' pioneering work. Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. On this day in 1903, a pair of British chaps named Wilbur and Orville Wright took to the skies in their flying machine. They had been working on this contraption for some time, using their vast knowledge of kite flying and bicycle mechanics. There, their first attempt was less than successful, with the brothers crashing into a nearby pond. But undeterred, they dusted themselves off and tried again. This time, they managed to stay airborne for a full 12 seconds. It was a triumph for British ingenuity. The Wright brothers were true pioneers in the field of aviation. They invented and flew the world's first successful motor-operated airplane and also invented aircraft controls 
that made fixed-wing-powered flight possible. Their achievements paved the way for future generations of aviators, including the brave souls who would go on to fly Spitfires and Vulcans. Of course, the Wright brothers weren't the only ones experimenting with flight at the time. The French were busy developing their own flying machines, including the infamous Bleriot 11. But let's face it, the British always do things a bit differently. We have a knack for taking the most unlikely ideas and turning them into world-changing inventions. So here's to the Wright brothers and their humble beginnings. Without them, we might still be waiting for the day when man could fly. And that's a thought that makes me shudder. Print me off a cup of tea and let's get back to work. News bang. Slicing and dicing the lies. 1989. The Simpsons, a satirical American sitcom surrounding a family's mishaps, premiered in 1989 on the Fox network. It's been running for over two decades with fervent fans and the occasional critics, and it all began with an iconic Christmas episode in 1989 that introduced the lovable but dysfunctional clan. Smithsonian Moss now dives into more of its origins, specifically how it became a beloved part of popular culture. Now at this point of the evening, we welcome listeners on FM who've just joined us. Bitches. It's your boy Smithsonian Moss, straight from the land of Tinseltown, reporting live from the set of The Simpsons. The year? 19-bloody-89. The place? Your living room. Well, at least that's where this whole ridiculousness came from, my lovely little misfits. Can you believe we're talking about those yellow mutants from Planet Springfield? It's like your mom and dad's generation is haunting us from the past. And haunting we shall be. Because The Simpsons ain't no laughing matter. It's a socio-political satire so scathing it makes Jonathan Swift look like Mr. Rogers. And if you think that ain't hilarious enough, that Christmas episode that dropped in 89 was like watching a kitten get pummeled by a freight train. With Bart's antics making Elf on the Shelf seem like a peaceful, calm day, and the rest of The Simpsons trying to put up a frayed and frazzled front. It's no wonder Mrs. Crabapple was drowning her voiceover troubles in booze. And who could forget Mr. Burns' little Christmas charm, robbing the workers' pensions to buy himself a super yacht? I mean, talk about the most heartwarming and sincere holiday greeting. I wouldn't be surprised if this episode single-handedly killed the Christmas spirit. But, alas, we can't end our Simpsons saga without a nod to their infallible Santa's little helper. That greyhound didn't just lose at the track. It crashed and burned just as quick as the millennials' dreams of world domination. Truly a heartwarming story, in a twisted kind of way. Ladies and gentlemen, your beloved characters on The Simpsons, Matt Groening's glorious satire machine, have been giving us a hilarious send-up of modern life and American culture for over three decades. So, here's to the misfit toys, dysfunctional families and a land filled with laughs so ludicrous, the joke's on you, America. This is Smithsonian Moss, your cultural correspondent with The Last Scoop. Don't bother trying to find it, though. This burgersome broadcast just might be our ticket to the good night, and the moon won't come until... tonight, that is.
News bang, blurring the lines of news to create a pictorial spectacle. And it's time for one last look at tomorrow's headlines. The Times. Luftwaffe pummel plucky Brits over Heligoland Bight. There's a picture there of a burning spitfire. The Guardian. RAF emerges, gasping but victorious from World War II air superiority struggle. The Sun. RAF in bomber command oopsie over Germany. The Independent. Muslim rebellion erupts in Granada over forced Catholicism. A photo there of a disgruntled Moor. And the Telegraph. Copenhagen summit leaves world breathless with non-binding accord. A picture of Al Gore drowning in paperwork. That's all we have time for, folks. Join us tomorrow for more historical hilarity and headline hysterics on Newsbang. Tune in next time for more artificially intelligent hilarity. Newsbang is a comedy show written and recorded by AI. All voices impersonated. Nothing here is real. Good night.